Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. It is picked up by the line. Darius Slay's got it. Coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30. Darius at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo, caught, touchdown to Detroit Lions, Marvin Jones! Stafford! Drink it in, drink it in. Touchdown Detroit Lions! Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on out there, Kool-Aid drinkers? We are back, and I got Grifka here. Grifka, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man, just uh, same old, same old, man. Just uh, season's over, starting to look forward to the next one. Tom Brady does it again, man. What do you think about that? And then what do you think about Double B, the greatest coach of all time, Bill Belichick, giving Matt Pat and the Lions some credit? for their game plan against the Rams, how that kind of showed them maybe a blueprint of what to do to get this W in the biggest game on the planet. What do you think about that? I mean, Tom Brady did what Tom Brady had to do. I mean, it seems like that's what he always does. I mean, there was points in that game where he just looked completely average, un-Tom Brady-like. And then when they needed that drive, you know, to go down and score, he that guy just made some great passes. That one to Gronk, where they just put it over the DB shoulder. Gronk had to dive a little bit to get down to the goal yeah. line. That was patent at Tom Brady right there you know and he just he did stuff like that and that's why that's why he's the goat that's all there is to it and you know uh, the biggest thing you know you know BB you know I mean him I you know been reading it all week I know you're reading it him saying you know that the Lions pretty much showed him the blueprint to uh you know on how to beat the Rams so uh you know he the man is smart enough to realize you know he's not the uh not to be all end all. I mean, the guy's really, really good, but being able to take something, you know, that the Lions did to help him, uh, you know, with uh, defense of the, the Rams, that's, you know, that's, that's what, that's what great coaches do right there. You know, they're not always the trendsetter, but they know what to take from other people and, and use it as well. Yeah, man, I think you hit on it. Like everybody was kind of saying, well, Brady didn't do much and it's kind of a terrible Super Bowl. I thought it was, you know, as much as I thought it was going to be a shootout and he's going to light up the scoreboard is, I remember kind of saying, like, some of these shootouts, you, it ends up being 10-7, 17-10, something like that. I mean, to me, that was a game where Tom Brady, as you articulated, made uh, perfect throws at the perfect time to just enough to lead his team to a victory. That's what good quarterbacks do. And uh, like you said, Bill Belichick, uh, he scoured every piece of tape he could probably find and, and – it and uh man they played uh, incredible against that offense and like you say the rams just they weren't really really ready for that moment but uh, i thought it was cool that double b gave uh his boy matt pat and the Lions some love so got to get that in the kool-aid cast here in our news and notes section so grifka have you been checking out some mock drafts like can you give the people any word of like who you've been seeing to the lions I mean, i've seen a couple different ones i mean they're guys that we've talked about uh, I saw one where it had Greedy Williams, which, you know, me and you have talked about, which we love. Was it the other uh, the other defensive back? I believe it's out of the University of Georgia. Was it DeAndre Brown, I believe his name is? Oh, DeAndre, DeAndre Baker. Baker. I'm sorry. And yeah, that was another guy. He's I mean, out of I know, Georgia, but then. I guess there's like almost a 1-1-A with, between those guys. Um, one thing I did read today, which the headline caught me until I read the story, was that 
Bo- Bosa, it pretty much said like Bosa wants to go to the Lions, you know. So you know, the first thing I do it was like, uh, where, where, where did you read that? Where did you read Bosa? What was it? it was like on, uh, it was Rick, some yeah. link. I mean, it was on like my Facebook page, and I remember like Lions twenty four seven or something else. But it was a picture of Bosa, and it was like Bosa wants to go to Lions. So I'm the person who always reads the comments first before I. I'm sorry, I, I'm you know I'm that guy. It's like I'm just here for the comments. Because that, because you know, not all heroes wear capes, and a lot of times the comments tell me what it's about. And so it's like people are, like, yes, he obviously wants to come here. And when I go down a little farther, it's like, did you read it? It pretty much says, you know, um, if you want me, show me. You know, like trade up and trade up to get me. You know, so it's like I read it, and that's kind of what it was. He was kind of much saying, it's like, hey, if you want me that bad, you know, trade up to get me. And I'm just like. Okay, so that's not saying he'd rather he, – he doesn't want to fall to the Detroit Lions at eight. He wants you to, like, if you really want me that bad, trade up to come get me. But um, I did see that. I'm like, I don't think it's going to happen. But uh, I found that pretty interesting that uh, the uh, the guy a lot of people consider the best player in the draft, like, said that he'd be, uh, it, it, you know, if you want me, come come get me type thing. You know, uh, he'd be happy to be on Detroit. So, you know, that that's more even so, like, you know, like I said, you're the typical mock drafts that I've seen uh, – was it uh, was it uh, the defensive end out of Clemson? I've seen him. Was it Farrell? Uh, um, I've seen you know I've, I've seen that one a lot. No real offensive tackles that are out there. I haven't seen that, but uh, those are the big ones right there. I've seen uh, the two cornerbacks and uh, Farrell, the defensive end. And besides the one we talked about, was it last week? Uh, Hawkinson, the one that Daniel Jeremiah, Jeremiah put out there, which I almost jumped through the roof when I saw that, and I'm just like, yeah, I, I don't want that. But that's that's what I've seen so far. So, Grifko, you hit on some good names there, but I got to call you out on a couple things. First of all, when we had our big draft argument, people can go back and listen to that in the archives. It's about 45 minutes long, me and you going back and forth and you challenging my draft knowledge. So uh, I'm going to have to call you out from time to time when you don't know these players' names. I know we're early in the process, but DeAndre Baker, to me, isn't the uh, second corner. He's in that third corner mix. There's a guy named Byron Murphy out of Washington who people are saying it's between him and Greedy, and people are actually saying Greedy is number two, and uh, Murphy is up there as their cornerback one, so I just got to let you know that. Secondly, like a lot of the names you hit on, Farrell and all these guys, Greedy, you know, those are all the main names that most people are seeing. I have seen some rumor and innuendo about, uh, you know, would Matt Pat bring in a Devin White, um, play two nasty middle linebackers or move, uh, you know, move JD out to the outside. And that's also been something I've thrown out there as an idea. So I've seen that a little bit of, he's going to be right in that range. Um, I already dispelled the, the tight end for you earlier, so I wouldn't worry about that. But, yeah, man, there's lots of names going on. I could go on and on. But what I really want to do before we move on to our next topic and get to the rewind is crush you about this Bosa rumor. Grifka, I don't know what Facebook you're looking at, but this is the first time I'm hearing anything to that sort. You might want to check your sources. Remember those guys that call you, what they call you, at like midnight and give you these tips? Yeah, I know. But I told you, man. It was just a, something okay. I, you, I you might want to read it You might want to check before I went to work. <laughs> okay, well, we, we got to verify those sources because nowhere on any sites or anything anywhere have I seen the lines even connected with Bosa whatsoever. Um, so that might have just been uh, some troll online getting after you with that uh, that post or whatever it was. But uh, to me, I don't see that happening at all. Like you said, he'd be a perfect rush. 
I mean, I just don't see that happening at, at any cost. If anything, we got to be trading down rather than up. So I'm just going to kill that for you right now and uh, question your uh, – I don't know if you're talking to John Clayton. He disappeared off the face of the earth, but maybe he uh, he ran that story. I'm not sure. Um, so let's get off the draft, Griff. One more quick side item. Uh, Robert Alford, a cornerback out of Atlanta, just got released. The Lions know they've been looking for corners. drafted back in 2013, so he's been in the league for – now I think they said he's making like eight million bucks, which there's no way I'd pay that for him. But he has had some picks and played some decent football from time to time in Atlanta. Uh, is this a guy that you'd kick the tires on and look at as just a a better option than Tease and uh, Nevin Lawson at this point, or just uh, no interest? I mean, if this is the guy that they're looking to upgrade with, and like you like to borrow your line, if they can get him for the right price, you know, if they can get him a little cheap, like you said, I wouldn't pay that much for him either. Then, uh, I mean, he's a definite upgrade from what's on that other side already. It's not the guy I'm, like, targeting, though. And if uh, they're looking to upgrade, it's not like him, like, oh, this guy's out here, let's go get him. But uh, that might be one of those things where if, if like, other other guys fall through, I mean, he's, a, he's definitely an upgrade, but, you know, he's not like he's a pro bowler or anything. But it's a guy who's been out there. I mean, he, he did play, I mean, decent football in Atlanta. Like you said, he wasn't a world beater, but uh, I mean, the guy has made some plays, and especially it was a day. It's pretty pass happy division, you know. Always having to play like the Saints, and you know, uh, and um, you know, Tampa Bay. Like I know they tried to run the ball a little more, but they did have some good wide receivers down there. And uh, you know, Carolina's been known to throw the ball here and there as well. You know, they, they haven't had like the biggest wide receivers, but uh, you know, having to face like the uh, the. Uh, New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay, and even in practice, taking on Matt Ryan and those wide receivers they had. The guys obviously got it. He was went up against some good talent. So it's uh, somebody, you know, I wouldn't mind kicking the tires on if they get the right price and maybe some other guys fall through. I mean, I'll just be sure with it. I think it's worth a look. You know, the Lions need to – I think cornerback is one of the most important positions this offseason to figure out whether it's uh, mid to lower end free agents that can get the job done or maybe a high end draft pick, um, get somebody opposite slay there. So uh, he's just somebody that's cut loose a halfway decent name. I figured bring it up today and kind of uh, consider it as an option maybe. So um, Grifka, that's all the news and notes we got. Let's get out of here for a real quick uh, word from our sponsors and then we'll get back and we're going to be looking today at the lions versus Packers Ford field. Do that rewind. So we'll be right back with you. Grifka, we are back, and we're here to rewind once again here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast and talk about the Cheeseheads, the Packers, coming to Ford Field. Uh, this is a game early on in the season. You know, we're coming off uh, a great win against the Pats, a tough, tough loss to the Cowboys, and now we got the Packers coming into town. You know, Aaron Rodgers thinks he's just going to run all over us. Let's go ahead and work our way through this game. What we're going to do today, everybody, is just sort of I, – I made some notes and observations. I'm going to kind of work my way through those, pitch some questions to Grifka, and he's going to jump in um, when he wants in regards to this football game from what he saw. So first item I have here, Grifka, is Carrion Johnson has a nasty stiff arm. Second play of the game uh, and throughout the whole season, as we know, now that the uh, year is over, man. He used that thing like a weapon. And it was pretty sweet to see him get out to the edge and just put somebody down on the ground and, and use that thing for some extra yards. So I thought that was awesome. Um, I put here, Grifka, Theo Riddick was not good in 2018. Like, are you with me on this? Like, this isn't any particular play. But as I watched this game again, I thought, man, he didn't make really any good plays or didn't use him well in the passing game. He was just not uh, 
not an effective football player in 2018, in my opinion. What, what would you say about Theo? I believe 2018, how we've said it before, it's cliche, like some guys get old fast. I think it's not like one of those things where you kind of see it declining over a, two, a few years. I'm in agreement with you. It seems like age has kind of hit him kind of hard in 2018, where there was a distinct drop-off from even what we remember, you know, 2017, 2016, to like this year. You're just like, all the stuff you thought he could do, it just doesn't, it didn't seem to materialize at any point. And I don't think defenses got wise to him. I just think like, I believe that age is starting to catch up with him and his production is really starting to decline because of it. Yeah. See, it's crazy. I mean, I think he's only 28, something like that. I mean, shouldn't be an age factor. It should be like, they're not using him or they're trying to use him the same way they did four years ago. And everybody's caught on to that like three years ago. And they haven't reinvented this guy. And, and he just, I don't know, he seemed to sort of plateau and start going downhill, I felt, this year. I mean, I'm curious if he comes back. And if so, can he be a, a weapon in the past game? Or is he just uh, an overpaid player that can't get it yeah. done, you know, for our team? Yeah, he so, just didn't seem to shift, even like in the open field. You know, like those yeah, teams, he'd be I able agree. to juke guys and kind of like leave them, you know, have them break their ankles. But he just didn't even seem to have that this year, you know, as much so. Yeah, man, I'm with you on that. So the next item I had was, man, Stafford ripped just absolute sweet ball where he stepped up in the pocket through the sucker way uh, down the sideline, right to Kenny for a touchdown. Oh, taken away by a penalty, man. You got to be kidding me. All these flags that are taking touchdowns off the board uh, just drives me absolutely insane. So um, that that was a real tough break, I thought, in this game early. You know, one of those plays you hate to see for our Lions, but uh, – you know, as we'll see later, as we work our way through this game, they're able to overcome. But uh, I put here, I, I thought we caught a big break on the first punt. You remember that play, Griff? Because I'm sure you saw it where um, we booted it down inside their five. You know, they say it hit a Packer. We end up grabbing it on the one yard. Went to review. Did you see it back a second time? And did you have any thoughts on um, it? Yeah, I still, I got into an argument on a text argument with one of my buddies. He swears that that ball did not hit a Packer. And, he, you know, when I was, re, you know, even that day I thought it, it hit. And when even sitting here rewatching the rewatching the game, I went back and watched it play a few different times. You know, you rewound it, rewound, rewound it. You know, tried to, you know, expand it a little bit and watch it. And I still think it hit him. I mean, it seemed like the ball, you know, the, the way it was spinning and everything just changed. And so I still think it hit him. I just thought it was, I just thought it was a really you know good play by the Lions special teams for that you know for that to happen, you know to be right on top of it that way. And I, I still believe it hit him. I don't think you know it was one of those things where it was like oh they really couldn't tell to overturn it. I I still believe watching the play that the ball did hit the Packer the back the Packer you know and on, on the receiving team and the Lions jumped on it. So definitely to break that you know went the Lions way so against the Packers so I, I'm happy with it. So for all the Kool-Aid drinkers out there, Griff goes down in his dark room, his videotape room with his clicker going back and forth, watching this play, zooming in, he said. I don't know how uh, how he's got this technology when he can't game. even work his oh. cell phone half the so time. So I just like stopped it, you know, stopped it and went back. I could do that, so. Okay. So everybody's got the fast forward and the, the rewind down, even the pause, I think uh, Griff was able to figure out. So that's good stuff, man. I, I watched this, like like I said, just the uh, – um, real time and then on the replay I mean I thought it was 
I thought it didn't hit anybody. I mean, it was it was way too close to see. I mean, I guess I think they called on the field that it did. So it was one of those stands, which to me is the biggest cop out by these referees. That's all they do is say it stands um, when they don't know what the heck they're doing. And I thought that's what they did in this place. So um, like I say, big break for the Lions. LG bangs it in on the next play from the one yard line. So Lions get a nice early touchdown, nice early break, which as Grifka says, uh, it's always nice when we get those rather than, uh, rather than what Grifka, what do the refs usually do? Oh, they usually slant towards the Packers on that. The Packers, Packers and, uh, Patriots, Cowboys, Steelers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, got to get those conspiracy theories in. So the next item I have is, I noticed a heavy front by Matt Pat on the first third down. I mean, I was trying to pick up on like, what is this guy doing with his fronts? Cause everyone makes such a big deal out of three, four, four, three. I felt like on the first third down for the Packers, he just had everybody up on the line coming from the edges and everywhere else. He didn't have any linebackers in the middle of the field and it worked out, man. Aaron Rodgers was, um, he was having a tough day. Just thought he would just wheel out to the right and flick his wrist like he normally does. And he was just, sporadic all day so I thought that was nice to see kind of some different defense did you pick up on that and then also I have here that Christian Jones was really active early and there was also some really good plays from my boys you say Jared Davis man when he sees it he hits it and goes and I thought he had some good attacking plays here and even when he he is able to see who he needs to cover if it's a screen and he has some time and he flies out to the football and takes care of people yeah um the one the one uh I really want to comment on, like you uh, asked, was the uh, heavy the heavy uh, front on the third down. I think um, that was one of those things where Matt Patricia was wise enough to realize that in prior games the Lions' run defense wasn't that good, and he thought that uh, the Packers would try to exploit that on short downs. And he felt that his defensive backs definitely had the uh, advantage one-on-one against the kind of like the green, you know, wide receivers of the Green Bay Packers. I mean, he threw Slay on Devontae Adams, and, you know, I guess he figured Tabor was okay against St. Brown, and, and uh, gosh, I can't even, you know, I, I can't even name you any of those other third, fourth string Packers wide receivers. So, if he... Valdez Scantling, man. How do you forget oh, that? Me, oh, that's right, the guy who caught the, guy who caught the touchdown. <laughs> Pretty easy, actually. I don't know if he had any more the rest of the year. But, uh you know, if he thought that his uh, defensive line, if he thought the Packers would just be able to run something short, that's why he pretty much put a heavy package in there, and, and it pretty much worked. So, uh, and that uh, I think uh, I can't remember. I, I know I wrote it down, I'm trying to read my notes here. It's the one, uh, the one uh, pass play. I can't remember if it was on that drive or not, where Rodgers ended up rolling out, and like you're, you're like I said, your boy Davis kind of like read it perfectly, and he just kind of came out of nowhere. He was he was reading the play. One of few plays he actually read correctly, and he just took off at him. You know, forced uh it forced Rodgers pretty much to throw the ball away. And it was one of those things where Rodgers, you know, after the play, you know, gave him a little credit, you know, slapped him on the butt, you know, must have told him, you know, good play or something like that. But that one it was like rewatching the play, just kind of came out of you know off screen, on screen, all of a sudden, and he's in, he's in Rodgers' face. So yeah, that was a that was a really good play right there. Yep, I know exactly the play you're talking about. He got after him, and then, like you say, Aaron Rodgers usually does the joking with the players that what he usually makes the play, and in this case, he didn't, and he still gave uh, JD some credit, no doubt. But Grifka, I want to talk about this next play. I remember when it happened, we talked a lot about this on our uh, initial show after the review of this game. We got to talk about it on the rewind. The ball that Matt Stafford puts up down the left sideline to Kenny Galladay, he kind of just gives him a 50-50 chance. 
Kenny G goes up and gets this thing. And then the biggest note I have on this one is that Kenny Galladay can run after the catch, man. He has great body control and can go up and get it. But I loved on this play when he did get it, which, again, it was a crazy good catch. Man, he got after it running and almost scored this thing. He he, he took it probably for, what, another 30-plus yards, if not more, and got that thing down inside the Packer. And uh, just a tremendous play. Yeah, um, he's definitely uh, able to uh... – Let's see. Yeah, he was he was good at getting separation in that game, and I I believe he's done in other games. You know, there's points in the season where we can talk about this on later shows where it seemed like he struggled a little more. But uh, with uh, the way the Packers had that defense, and I told you before the game, I didn't think the Packers defense was they weren't that great. You know, so uh, well, just his body, and, you know, actually recover because you see a lot where guys will go make great catches like that when they come down, they're unable to, you know, you know, get their balance back. And, and go with it. I mean, he was able to do that and, you know, continue with a run. So him having the body control to do that for his size and, um, you know, being able to, you know, hit another gear and, like you said, almost house it after that. So, yeah, that was a, that was a great play. And, you know, he's uh, he, he's uh, impressing me. <laughs> You're coming around finally, Grifka. So um, l- let me let me hit a few quick ones here. So, you know, after the Kenny G catch, a few other plays I think happened, or LG gets another one-yard cheapy touchdown. You know, this is what we thought he would do for the Lions. I mean, people always call them a short down, short yardage, touchdown type back. I mean, before he came to the Lions, he could do some other things. But, you know, this was the first dose where we were kind of like, okay, this is what we paid this guy for and brought him here. We just didn't see it much the rest of the season. So LG pounds it in. That puts us up, um, puts us up two scores. I have here Aquara with a great chase down strip sack. I mean, this was, if we go back to like my favorite plays of the year, this has to be one of, in my top 10 where Rogers drops back again, he jaunts out to the right thinking that he's just cool as can be. And he's just going to prance over there and flick his wrist and get a 30 yard ball down the field to Devonte Adams or something. He starts rolling out to the right and Aquara just absolutely chases him down like a maniac and not just like gets there a split second late or, or Rogers doesn't throw the football away. He gets, he gets casual with the football. Aquara comes and chops that thing out strip sack. Our guys do a great job of keeping the ball in bounds and uh, turn it over kind of inside the 20 there to uh, on the short end of the field. Just a tremendous play. Um, next, I just have man some terrible play calls and bad execution after that. We went three and out, only got a field goal out of it. Um, Can I jump in? But, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you wrote that down that, that you mentioned that because it, it seems like I've done that in the past and you're like, come on, Griff, come on. I'm about to say it again, but go ahead. Settled for field goal. I'm like, because I'm watching that going, why'd they call that play? was a terrible call. I'm like, you're thinking that to myself. I'm like, God, that was terrible. And even in my note, I, you know, like you said, you wrote it down. I jotted down strip sack by Aquar. Settled for field goal was my next question for that. Just what those play calls were just, it was almost like, okay, we're, we're, in, we're, in, we're in scoring range. Don't lose the points by giving it up. I mean, it's just something like that where, you know, me and you have talked in the past where it just seems like sometimes you jugular and, uh, you know, score early, but it seemed like they were kind of happy to like the play calls at one point. Just they just weren't that great, and they're like they weren't that great, and uh, they ended up settling <laughs> for three. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, the main reason I laugh is because, you know, at least you, you did write down a quarter with a great sack because the Grifka I know would normally just be so frustrated and negative about the, the terrible thing after it. You got to give credit for the first play, and then it was just such a bummer that, I mean, just think if we just bing, bam, boom, score a touchdown there, it's like 21 zip before you can blink. I mean, that'd just be tremendous. But, yeah, they definitely got conservative and just kind of frustrating because I was so excited about the strip sack to then see, oh, man, Blink before I could blink, they're kicking a field goal. So, yeah, I did uh, I did get that in there for you, Grifka. But uh, I have here, man, right after I say that we just settled for a field goal, I just have, man, all these missed field goals are still just as good as when they happened in real time. I mean, it was so funny to watch him spray it to the right, hit the uh, hit the upright, just look like a complete bum, you know, for the uh, Packers kicker there, Crosby. That was just hilarious to watch. So, um, I, th- I thought Deshaun Hand had a big game. Griff guy have a, a big sack here by him and a recovery with 55 seconds left in the um, first half as well. Ball to 30. I mean, so we turn we turn the Packers over again inside this first half on the short end of the field when they got it back. Deshaun Hand not only gets to the quarterback. I want to say he was playing nose basically right in the middle of the defense. Um, absolutely great pass rush gets to Rogers and not just gets him and gets him to the ground, gets the ball out and recovers it. Like, what do you guys say about that play by the young rookie? That, that is one of those plays that I'm, I, I was, I, I, t- I forgot that he recovered the fumble, you know, at, you know, from rewatching the games. So I remember, you know, I remember hand having a good game, you know, when it first happened, but I rem- I forgot that he actually recovered that fumble as well. And how, I don't know how many times you see it where there's like a strip sack like that, where the guy who sacks him doesn't realize that the ball was fumbled and he just kind of lays on top of him, just kind of stands up. And then all these other people come diving in. I mean, either he saw it or he, he was well aware to like, as soon as he knocked it out, it's like, it was like one of those drills where you get up off the ground as soon as you can to dive on the ball. And he was aware of it. And, uh, that's that's hustle I mean that's something that either you do it or you don't do it and that was uh that was a great play by him and uh side note which I saw on Deshaun hand he had uh was it um your and was it like the pro the PFF I know you like to use that a lot he had was it statistically one of the best was it uh pass rushing stats or whatever as a rookie I guess says that was even higher than Aaron Donald when he was a rookie yeah, I, mm-hmm. I read that somewhere. I, I can't it's something like that. Like the best, you know, best one of the best rookie pass rushings for defensive tackles, you know, ever per PFF. So it was even better than Darren Donald. So I just wanted to mention that to you. Well, yeah, yeah, you got it right. I saw the same thing. So better than Aaron Donald. He was the top rated interior guy from PFF. So I do use them from time to time. And then if if you remember, again, rever- reverting back to a previous show, everybody can go listen where I cracked on uh, Chris Collinsworth, that freaking analyst nerd uh, for all the stupid stats and things that he does with those guys. But I, I do like PFF, but I have to I have to give Collinsworth some grief sometimes, too, because he's he's a dweeb. Um. So, yeah, man, it's tremendous. And that's why we're doing these rewinds for everybody is to go back and remember what it looked like when carry on was firing off. Remember when Deshaun hand was opening our eyes saying, wow, we got this guy in the fourth round. Like he's living up to his uh, high school days playing some really good football. So um, it's fun to go back and see that. So after the strip sack by hand, a great touchdown to Marvin Jones. I mean, I just have a really nice throw here by Matt Stafford. It seemed like one of those where he kind of bought himself that little extra time where, when he can do that, I feel like he's good. When he is not is when uh, something a little bit goes wrong and he crumples in the pocket or makes some stupid play. But here he bought a little time. I think he got out to the side. He kind of threw like a cross 
Um, I don't think it was a sidearm, but it was just kind of a nice throw after he let the play develop. Marvin with a really nice catch for a touchdown. 24-zip Grifka going into the half, man. You got to love that against the Packers at home, especially early in the year where we're, like, trying to get back our mojo. Like, got to be feeling good about this at halftime. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of those things, like, even watching the replay, I wanted to light up my victory cigar. You know, like, Red Auerbach just uh, rip it out and, like, hey, this game's over. <laughs> it was – well, well, hold on. I'm curious you say that because I have a comment about you here uh, in, in one second. So 24 zip at half. Um, uh, I have a little side note. Lots of great sacks and pressures by Aquara, Hand, and Devin Kennard showed up huge in this game again, too, when you go back and watch it. Like, he, he doesn't blow you off the page with his athleticism or when you watch him, you're just kind of like, ah, that guy looks like just a, you know, an unathletic type rusher, but he finds a way to get to the quarterback. So all three of those guys were good. And then I have here, Rate coming out of the half, touchdown by Green Bay to start the third quarter. And then I have a, a note that says, this is where Grifka quits. This is where Grifka says, we're up 24 to what, seven, or I don't know if they went for two. And I can just see you rocking in your chair thinking, here he goes. Aaron Rodgers is going to come back and the Lions are going to lose. Like, tell me you weren't in that state. I mean, you can revision his history, but I guarantee you were thinking something like that. Not right when, not at 24-8. When it went to twenty four fourteen, to be honest with you, is when I started to think, what, you know, gosh, I mean, we can't have this. <laughs> so, uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I have another blurb about you uh, and a couple more bullets when we get to that point in the game uh, that uh, it was really churning in you at that point. But, uh, and our team's playing good. I mean, they're going to get points. Other teams are going to get points. But um, we were dominating this game, getting pressure after the quarterback. So, this is where I try to teach you those lessons, Grifka, that when we're playing really good football, we can't just crumple or think the sky's falling when one thing happens because Aaron Rodgers and good quarterback, good teams are going to do this to us. But they did come right out in the third quarter and get a touchdown and um, start to make it closer. So I have um, the Packers cornerback um, on a third down play, like – this is right after their touchdown. We throw a little Matt Stafford, you know, we need eight, nine yards. He throws a four yard ball to the out incomplete. The dumb uh, Packers cornerback stands over our player, gets a flag for 15 yards, moves the sticks first down. I thought that was uh, tremendous. Like what a stupid idiot that guy was. And then, uh, I think I have here, like, we moved it down the field, but then we end up missing a 55-yarder by Prater, which it was a terrible miss. It was a it was a Grifka driver off the first tee, just wide wide right, no doubt about knuckle? it. So. Did that just look like a oh, it was right off his foot? There was, like, no spin. It was just like, woo. <laughs> it just, it, right when it left, you know, right when he kicked it, you, could, you know, you could tell, just like, wow, that was just bad. Yeah. To me, Prater has, like, he's – everyone's giving him this carte blanche now like oh if he goes out there he's gonna make it and he does make it and he has boomed those 50 yarders but I think if you go back and look in his history like when he misses he misses bad like it's not a oh I just missed it off to the left it's usually like you said just comes off his foot wrong or it's just a terrible miss so you know not a huge deal it was a 55 yarder but it did look ugly right. so um, you know I have a little side note here I mean get a, get your pad and paper out you fantasy football players man Aaron Jones is freaking good like um, you know I remember Jamal Williams got a lot of pub his first year but Aaron Jones he can catch he can run they started using him a little bit here in the second half and just in general he's a good football player um, 
you know, in regards to a do-it-all type running back, look for him in, in 2019. Um, for the Packers, we're going to have to deal with him, I think, for a little bit. And to me, Grifka, I mean, we've been talking about it all show, but it was just fun watching Aaron Rodgers struggle. Like, he ends up probably with – I mean, let me see what his stats were for the game. He ends up throwing for 442 and three touchdowns in this game, which to me is crazy that that was his numbers. But he threw the football 52 times. He was only 32 out of 52. And I feel like he was just spraying it all over the field, Jimmy Graham dropping passes, like him throwing the ball, you know, too far on an easy, you know, dump off type pass all game long. I loved it. Yeah, he just it, – it was one of those games where you watch it and uh, and it seemed like uh, Rodgers was like blaming his wide receivers a lot. The looks he was giving them and – it was just one of those things where, like, you were reading. Like, I remember reading comments and stuff afterwards. Like, you know, Rogers a crybaby. You know, why is he calling all the wide receivers? And you know, he never seemed to like do that in the past when he had some other guys. But and it was like, oh, it's just all these you know young wide receivers. He doesn't have rapport with them. You know, it's just that was. I think that was more of an excuse than anything. But yeah, he just didn't look comfortable. He seemed to be running a lot. And uh, I, you, you, you mentioned before. You know, Aquara hand canard their sacks but for as much as like we like really bagged on like nevin lawson and t's table or there was points in that game where like rogers you know he had a lot of time but nobody to throw to the defensive back the defensive backfield had really great coverage and you know and it uh you know led to a couple of sacks because especially the quarter one where he was forced to leave the pocket to try to make more time and Aquara tracked him down because the defensive backfield was just playing such great defense that, you know, they played really, really well that Sunday. So, I mean, hats off to those guys. Like I said, even though we kind of bag on them every, you know, we bagged on them at points in the season, you know, the defensive backfield, yeah, they gave up four and some yards, but there was a point where they were down so many points that they couldn't run the ball where Rodgers had to throw the ball all the time. So that was like where we kind of always, you know, you know, people pick on Matt Stafford for patting the stats. That's kind of what Rodgers did. He just, he had to throw the ball to get, get him back into it. So, yeah yeah i i sort of agree with you on that i mean um you know t's hit a few plays or they they were decent in coverage you know your boy uh slay gave up nine for 140 in a touch and got roasted and toasted by Devonte a few times on Devonte adams broke his ankle goal on that one point oh yeah yeah that was uh that was rough and then i'm looking at the numbers here too only seven carries for 40 for aaron jones i don't have those receiving right here but like, to me, this is just one of those eye tests. Like, I remember watching him the rest of the year, and even in this game, you could tell he's their best running back. So that's why I brought up that, even though, like, again, those numbers aren't going to jump off the page, T. So let's get a few more of these through, Griffco. We'll have a few discussion items, and we have some questions uh, that people sent in. So um, I have a note here, man, just unbelievable. This is probably one of your favorite players, Griffco. Clay Matthews, he decides to flex uh, – <laughs> down 10 he doesn't even make the play like when i saw it he got like jammed up by like rick wagner or somebody he wasn't even like near where the play was but he just started flexing like, like he did something and i'm just like hey it's both scoreboard and you didn't even really make the tackle or do anything so i couldn't understand that one but like you say i'm sure you love it when he wets his hair down and, and does his thing right i can't stand clay matthews <laughs> <laughs> all right so 31 to 14 after the Kenny uh, G touchdown. Um, this was a great little uh, swim, swim move route is what I called it in tight, probably inside the 10. I want to say it's probably was a eight, um, seven, eight yard touchdown. Kenny Galladay just 
burns his guy off the line, swim moves him, gets to the inside. Again, another nice ball by Matt Stafford, man. Sometimes he struggles with passing when it's in tight there, but he threw a really nice ball right on him. Kenny caught it, just nice, easy touchdown to make it 31-14. Gotta love that play by the young fella. I I have one question here for you really quick before uh, we're getting near the end of the game when this happened, but uh, when Carrion went out, you know, when, like, he was off and – the way he kind of landed funny on on his leg what was that leg ankle, and did that worry you at all? You know, because to be honest with you, I remember when it happened. I was like, "Oh no, come on, gosh, be okay, be okay." And I mean, it was kind of like instantaneous, a minute or two before they kind of gave the update, saying, "You know, he's okay. You know, he's just staying on the sideline." And, you know, they took his helmet away. And I remember me and you talked about this. It's because, well, if there's a closer game, maybe he would have went back in. But, like, right after it happened, he's laying there on the ground, and he kind of gets up, and, and he's limping. I mean, I, I remember watching the replay again there. It's just like, yeah, that could have been a lot worse. Were you worried at all at that point? You know, it could have been, you know, something more devastating than what it actually was. Uh, I, I don't remember being too worried. I mean, I don't have any notes on it uh, here from the game. So, you know, at this point in the year, like, again, the fun part of the rewind is that we're going back and, like, remembering how, man, look at he, – he makes a big difference in our offense. But you got to remember, like, he had only had the one good game really against New England and then a few flashes here or there. So, again, here he has another decent game. Let me see what his uh, his numbers were. I mean, 12 carries for 70 yards. Yeah, that's a good game. And like you said, he had to sit out a bit. But he hasn't wowed us at this point, so – even if he's going out, yeah, I'm probably not like ecstatic about it, but it's not like now if he gets hurt where we know he's kind of the the future back and can be can do everything, catch, run, you know, make big plays. We didn't really know all that at this point. What week seven, but like I said, he's only had a few good games here or there. We'll, we'll know a lot more Griffco later in the week when we tackle the Dolphins game because that was his coming out party in my opinion. But um, yeah, it's it's good to note. I mean, real quick, like. I think we're going to have to deal with that with carry on. Like he, he lived up to his billing where he was always kind of dinged up and, and I know the season didn't go well, but I feel like he's going to be a guy like, you know, how much shady McCoy will always go down, but then he's back in a few plays. I think we're going to see some of that with carry on where he's always kind of getting caught up weird because of his long legs and limbs, but he's hopefully he's a battler and can get through it. But uh, yeah, we don't want to see him now that we know what we know. Yeah. I don't want to see him going down or anybody taking his helmet in 2019. There's no question. Grifka, Tom Brenneman is absolutely terrible. He like almost ruined this whole broadcast for me and your boy and my boy, Chris Spielman had to save it. But is it just me or when I was watching the clips and watching it back, like every play, he's just so over the top. Oh, an extraordinary catch. And it's usually always for like the Packers or like, you know, like if they do something, it's just a, the most amazing thing he's ever seen. Oh my gosh. It's just bugging me to death. And we always get that guy like at least five times a year or more. It feels like it's just, Oh yeah. Yeah. He's rough. Um, Lions, man, they seem to show fire throughout this game. And the one thing, this is kind of discussion item as well Grifka is like I feel like this was another example that like when things are going good for our Lions you know we're making plays not getting too much pressure on the quarterback got a little run game we start to get that fire we start to get that mojo and when things aren't going well we're behind on the scoreboard we're getting beat up a little bit in different areas of the game is when we go into that robotic just you know no no excitement no nothing 
Like, is that just me or do you feel that way as well? Like we play really good when everything's going great. And when a few things go wrong is when we sort of can't get it going. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And this kind of leads back to our uh, discussion where me and you had, uh, that we had, uh, I, I don't want to say a tip, but we kind of went back and forth how it, it kind of snowballs when stuff starts to go bad. I mean, I think it leads one thing to another. You're like, no, each play is unto itself. But I think what you just state just kind of happens there. When things go bad, they just seem to go bad. And you know, there's nothing, it's hard to pull yourself out of a nosedive. But when it's going good and you're riding the top of the wave, you know, everything seems to be, you know, going right. Any, any pass, you know, that you make, it's like, oh, you fit it in the window. The hole opens up. The guy breaks the tackle. He, your defensive guy's there to knock down the pass, you know, make the shoestring tackle, you know, something like that. So, but yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. But my argument isn't that like one good run leads to another good run. Mine is that like when the Lions have four or five good runs, like, they're conf- I don't know. It's something about like the way Matt Stafford's walking around, the way he's kind of just looking and feeling versus like when they're down, you know, 21 to 10 and he can't get the time that he needs. He hasn't made any big splash plays. Like, I just don't feel like he has it at that point. So it's not so much building on like plays. It's more just, you know, you got to have that same energy, that same fire and that same abilities when you're down, that's what the good teams have. So anyway, that's a, like a bigger topic for another day. But I thought that creeped up on me. It was like, this is one of those games at home against a division rival, played pretty good the whole game. And I just felt like we had a mojo and a swagger that we don't have in these other games that we'll watch later in the uh, year when we do the rewind. So, um, and the last item I have is like, so a minute ago, I told you it was 31-14 after the Kenny G touchdown. Here we are at the end of the game. As you said, Aaron Rodgers, all these empty yards, all these empty touchdowns, works his way down the field, gets a touchdown to Devontae, gets a touchdown, I want to say, to Scantling. Um, And next thing you know, they're kicking a field goal with three seconds left, which he actually makes after, what, missing five, which was just still the funniest thing ever. And this game actually came down to an onside kick that I think had to be scooped up by Marvin Jones. Like, to me, that's just one of those – yeah, the score doesn't tell the story because the Lions played great. They got after Aaron Rodgers. They had a decent run game. Kenny G had 98-some yards in the past game. I mean, that's a good football game. And for it to come down so tight was just one of those, you know, unfortunate items. But it was nice to still see him get the W. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> um, the one thing where uh, was it Crosby missed the extra point. You know, that was an <laughs> – after after one of the touchdowns that made it actually 31-20 after the Adams touchdown he missed the extra point that right. was like you said all those missed, missed uh, field goals was great but yeah that you know extra point missing that too it's just like you know that's that's like that's clean living right there for the Lions that's that's what that is and I had one note in my brain the whole time watching this game it must have been the final game against Green Bay for some reason, I thought in this game that Aaron Rodgers got knocked out early, but he didn't, man. He played the whole game. Like, I kept watching it going, okay, when does Okwara just kill him? And then he limps off the field and goes to the locker room. Yeah, that was, that was the last game of the year. That was the, that was the one in yeah. Green Bay. So, But, uh, yeah, man, just always great to get a win against the Packers. So let's tackle a couple quick discussion items, and we got a few questions, and we'll wrap up the okay. show. Um, Griff, could you think the Lions can keep this up where they're doing well against Green Bay and Minnesota? Because 
I know we've lost some big games to Green Bay at the end of the year when everything was on the line. I know that we have had, you know, Minnesota has done decently well the last couple of years. But I feel if you go back and look at the records, like we've pretty much handled Green Bay in our house during the regular season, you know, when it didn't matter at the end of the year, we've done pretty well. And then I feel Minnesota's had a hard time both coming here. And I think we went to their house a few times and beat them. So, you know, do you think we can keep this up where we're doing good against those two teams? Cause I know the bears are coming on and there's something to deal with now too, but if we can just keep either splitting or winning on the road against these teams, like that's a good sign. Yeah, I, I believe they can. I mean, it, especially in the near future, I know uh, it was. A, I believe Green Bay's on, on the on the down on the down tick, and uh, there's those rumors like should they be drafting their, their their next quarterback now? You know, I'm starting to read some of that stuff as well. I do believe Aaron Rodgers is on the downside of his career, and so you might have some of that. Even this year, just like that mojo just didn't seem to be there. Like it hasn't past years, and uh, I think uh, like you, know, I know you mentioned you know you, you know Clay Matthews, which. I mean, I think he's on the downside of his career, and he's always kind of been a stalwart of that defense in the last few years. So, I think some of their key guys, their big contributors, are on the on the down slot, on the down slide of their career. So, the Lions to continue to take advantage of that with the confidence, knowing, hey, it's not the Green Bay, you know, of like you know eight nine years ago. This is, you know, we got these guys. We can hang with these guys. We can beat these guys, even even in their house. And um, as for Minnesota, I've I've. Me and you've had this discussion. I've always thought Minnesota's defense was really, really good. But I always thought their offense was completely average. And it seemed like last year, Minnesota, it kind of flipped. Even, you know, they had, you know, their wide receivers did a little more, good running game. I mean, you know how I feel about Kirk Cousins. He's not that great. So uh, I I think he's just a game manager at QB. And I think he just gets a lot of love around here because he went to Michigan State. But uh, I don't think Minnesota's defense was was that good last year. And as I know, we've talked about Anthony Barr. He went to the Pro Bowl, whatever that means in football. But um, they have a few good guys on the defense. But, yeah, I think the Lions know they can hang with these guys. They're not afraid of them anymore. And, and I, you know, me and you, I mean, we can talk about it going into next year, how the offseason goes. I still don't think the Bears are that great. So, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think the Lions aren't too far away. But uh, they're definitely they can definitely compete in this division. They're not the they're not the basement dwellers, you know, two three win teams. So yeah, they they can continue this. Yeah, well, they're gonna have to. I mean, you hit on a lot there, but I just think they're gonna have to continue to play these teams tough, and we do have a tough division. You also hit on like Aaron Rodgers' future. To me, I think it's gonna be interesting because they paid him a boatload of money, and he went from being the top guy in the game to people like you just said, you know, they're sort of saying, okay, will he drop off? Will he do this, that, you know, I'm not ready to say that yet. I still think he's really hard to play against every time, you know, his, his wide receivers are going to get better. I'm looking at the draft board. Now they got two first rounders and got a lot of draft picks coming up that um, I know they haven't been stellar in the draft, but I think the green Bay is going to make some good impactful picks. Their wide receivers, probably get rid of Jimmy Graham, bring in somebody else uh, that'll make plays for him and they're going to be tough. So we'll, we'll see how the Lions deal with it. So last little item before we get to our questions, Griffin, why is, is, was it so easy in my opinion when watching this game for Lions to put up 30 plus yet in other games that we'll watch here later in the year, it's an absolute death struggle. Like, did you feel like we did anything extraordinary or next thing you knew it was just like, wow, it's like, 31 34 points on the board before you could blink well i know uh you uh you don't like me kind of going up the past and you know every team's different on two every year a team's different 
but it seemed like this was like one of those years where the Lions played to their competition, where they knew it was the Packers. The Packers won the division. The Packers have had their way with them in the past. And, yeah, they've won two in a row. We can beat these guys, played against. So they, like, stepped their game up, where uh, other games in the year, they just didn't seem to have it. And you kind of, like you like you said, you left scratching your head. But uh, I, I think they realized who, who this team was. You know, it's like, you know, this is the Packers. You know, we're going to show up against these guys. You know, uh, I think even, like, Fox had built this as one of the bigger games for that week. It wasn't the game of the week, but I, I know when they show their previews for their games, like the way they kind of rank them, you know, like who the biggest one o'clock game is. It's always the top line. And I remember the Lions Packers for that week was the top line. So uh, they might have known it was a big game. And, you know, even though it was just in the, the local markets, Fox, you know, uh, you know, sometimes if if your team doesn't play, you know, at one o'clock, that might be the game you're thrown to. So, uh, yeah, just one of those things. I think they knew who they were playing, and they want to have a good showing against somebody in the division who's like for a number of years had their way with them. So, yeah, I think that's what it was. It was just uh, more of the they stepped up when they needed to. Well, my thing with this game was that rewinding again. The biggest fun key is going back because. The reason I thought it was easy to put up 30 and the reason I thought that Matt Stafford looked better and the reason I thought there was more mojo and that we beat a team that at that point in the year, it was like, oh, man, the Packers are coming to town. Look out. We had a healthy Kenny. We had a young, firing, new running back called Kerryon Johnson. We had a pretty well-protected Matt Stafford. And that defense, even though, as you said, later in the game, they gave up a lot of passing yards. If you can get after the passer – we also talked about two strip sacks. Next thing, when you get those short fields and those turn into points, three or sevens, it makes a big difference. So, again, the NFL staying healthy, using your playmakers, and turnovers are some of the biggest things that happen. So I thought uh, all those things got us to that 30 points, and we got to do that in 2019, man, and a lot more games than we did in 2018. There's no doubt about it. So I'm excited to see that and, and get them firing off again. So, Grifka, I've been working my tail off on the Detroit underscore Kool-Aid handle on Twitter. We've been trying to connect with more people. We've been having a bunch of fun with little messages back and forth here or there. <clears throat> I put up two questions today from uh, the, the Twitter One Pride Lions Family Universe. Um, you know, we're going to hopefully get more of these in from people. We'll just pick a couple each week to tackle. So the first question, Grifka, for you. And this comes from Mike GM, a.k.a. I call him the CEO. This is like the top guy that connects all these Lions fans all over the country. He's really uh, been cool helping me out and kind of getting uh, more people to know about the Kool-Aid cast and kind of uh, helping me connect with all these different Lions fans. So he kicked me this question. Grifka, who is going to go with that first pick, number eight or you know, if you want to say they might trade down, he kind of wants to know what you think might happen there. Again, don't give us all the different options. If best case scenario right here, what do you think would happen? What do you want to see if they stay at eight? And then he also wants to know, do you have any free agent targets for the Lions that they might pick up uh, as it stands right now? Um, I think best case scenario for the Lions for what they need, I think trading down would be the uh, – would be the best option right now. If um, I know this, they already have a lot of a lot of picks this draft. Um, but still, if they can trade down and you know pick up a couple more in the uh, in the earlier rounds, you know uh, 
I think that would be the best option, even if they traded down, you know, to the late teens, early twenties. I, I I don't know if trading down to the uh, late twenties, you know, I don't know if I like that. But if they traded, you know, somewhere being you know, sixteen, seven between like maybe sixteen to twenty-two, somewhere like that, and you know, got another pick or two in, in the draft. I think that would be the best case scenario. Now, once again, you know, like I've said, you know, I've said before, you know, you always need a partner to make a trade. I don't know who would be willing to do that, but if they're able to trade down like that, and um, I, at that point, I guess it depends on who's there. Um, Grifka, we know that trade down is always the best option. We can't let you cop out. If you're at eight right now, uh, early February, who is Mike Grifka taking as the GM? Who am I taking as the GM? I said it before, man. I'm taking greedy. I think he's the best defensive back in the draft, and I think somebody opposite of Slay, that's what I would be looking for right there. So that that's who I would personally take if um if I was the uh, the GM at this point right here before seeing the combine, and you know if you know before you hear something you know something comes out underneath that greedy one time when he was a sophomore in high school decided to you know throw eggs at somebody's car and that way he's undraftable you know by a lot of teams so you know know, one of those always rumors and small things that you always hear about people that why they fall in the draft so uh Darius guys yeah um okay well Griffith again we had our big battle about the draft I encourage you challenge you to go pull up on YouTube pull up some greedy pull up some Murphy and pull up some DeAndre Baker and get back to me if you like because I love greedy's name I love his measurables there's a lot of things I don't love about his game, but depending on where you could get him, yeah, he's a great player for the Lions. I'll be real quick with it. At number eight right now, if I had to make the pick, I mean, I'm much more set with this new regime of getting big athletes, big impactful players at positions. So if Curlin Farrell is there at number eight, that's a guy I'm going to consider. We need a defensive end. This guy's produced at the highest level at Clemson. Yeah, he had great surrounding cast. But he's got the measurables, he's got the long arms, he's got the production, he's at a position of need. He's going to probably be one of the higher-ranked players, no matter how it falls there in the top eight. Um, That's probably who I would consider most at this point. But between him and maybe a a Devin White, those are my two faves right now. So we'll see. Uh, You got any free agent names or targets? I know we talked about that in the past. Uh, Give him a couple quick names you're thinking about. Yeah, once again, I mean, you know, I picked Greedy at eight because – out of the free agents, what I'm looking for, I mean, I guess the best option would be would be Trey Flowers for me because he knows Matt Patricia. He probably knows his scheme. I mean, New England, Trey Flowers. He had he had a great. He had I thought he played really well in the Super Bowl. Uh, that you know that would be a big guy I'd be looking for. Um, and no, that would be the guy I I would want. I know um, another guy would be interested in is maybe Frank Clark out of Seattle. Uh, He'd be a guy who's interested in Michigan guy. I saw him a lot just simply at Michigan. And uh, even the few games I saw that where he played with Seattle, uh, uh, I, I thought he, I thought he did had, had a good year. So, but Trey flowers would be like my big, my big number one, you know, Frank Clark, you know, um, you know, looking at number, number two, um, I think, cause once again, we need defensive ends. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence is out there, but he's, he's not going to hit. You know, anything he's just going to go back to Dallas. And I know another guy that uh, I've heard floated out there, I've read stuff on, was uh, maybe Jadavian Clowney out of Houston. Uh, he's the, you know, 3 4 outside linebacker. I guess it ultimately depends on what scheme they plan on running the most. So, uh, but uh, Trey Flowers would be my big target. All right. Um, again, I'll be quick on it. 
right now, you know, I'm just starting to dive into kind of free agents and whatnot. I mean, Grifka kind of stole one of mine. Every time I watch Frank Clark out in Minnesota, he's explosive. He's young. He's really aggressive, you know, as far as I think if, if he could learn that system, you know, again, not totally sure the difference between Seattle and, and Detroit's new scheme. But I would say this guy, if you could teach him the scheme, he could be an absolute monster. So I'd love to see him, especially, man, let's say we get him. We got my boy Farrell at eight. Like now we're, we're sitting pretty up front and we can plug in the holes uh, from there and get after the quarterback. And another name, going back to Seattle, that I heard on another podcast, uh, Eric Schlitt. Again, he does a great job with Lions Wire. He was breaking down some things. And he brought up a name, which I did have highlighted on my list. Um, Mike Davis, a running back out in Seattle. He's like an under-the-radar. Seattle already has two, three running backs they like in front of him. But this guy, every time you watched him, man, he was a banger. He could catch. He's going to come cheap, as you know I like. And uh, to me, might be a great compliment to carry on. Because what I don't want to do is spend a really big resource on another running back. I want to get a guy that can compliment what carry on does, let him be the workhorse, and let this other guy, you know, come in, spell him, do different things. So I thought Eric Schlitt hit on that great. And that was definitely a guy that I thought might work in that role. So those are just a couple names for you. Mike, the CEO on Twitter. Thank you so much, man. Uh, great question. We're going to be talking about those uh, types of things all season here leading up to free agency and the draft. So one final one, Griff, I thought this was a fun one. This one came, let me get this name right here. This was from at Swiss Lions fan. And he put a thing out on Twitter. This guy is from Switzerland and his little handle in front of his name is the number one Lions fan. So I guess you're out of luck, Grifka, and so am I. Uh, but this guy, at least in Switzerland, he's the number one Lions fan. And he threw out this question. If you could have one player in the NFL and plug him onto the Lions roster right now, who would it be? Wow. I thought that was a good question. Well, that, that, is a, that is a Gosh, that's a great question. Anybody in the NFL that I could take right now and put on this roster? Jeez. Where's my Jeopardy music when I need it? Come on, Grifka, you got to be on your feet here, bro. Gosh. Hmm. Let me jump in. Yeah, you go ahead. I'll give you uh, my take because when I I saw this, I shouted him back out on Twitter uh, with my answer. So if people saw that, they already know what I said. But I said – he threw out Mike Evans, and I said, I love Mike Evans as a football player, but the Lions already have two bigger, rangy-type receivers – if they're going to get a receiver, they need an underneath guy. They need a speed guy. They need to take the top off the defense, touchdown-type playmaker. So I said, if I'm going to go on the offensive side of the ball, my one player that I want right now in the 2019 uh, version of the NFL, give me Tyreek Hill, man. I was never a Tyreek Hill fan until this year. This guy's electric. He looks just so much faster than anybody else on the field, the way you can get him the ball. Or sometimes they don't even do anything other than just say, run as fast as you can down the field, and they throw it to him, and he scores big touchdowns. So I've uh, fallen in love with this guy as a player, and I think he would be exactly the type of guy the Lions need. So <clears throat> Hollywood Brown in the draft, you might want to think about it, as I hit on on a previous show. But if i got to go on the defensive side of the ball, which is probably where I would go, um, Khalil Mack, man, you already heard me talk about him. This guy's young. He's got a great attitude. He's humble. Yeah, you had to pay him a bunch of money, but that rush end for the Detroit Lions for the next decade, and we missed out on him. But that'd be my defensive side of the uh, player. Grifka, you got about thirty seconds. You got any one name for this guy? Okay, I'll give one name. Um, I know we talked about him before. You laughed at me about it, but. Uh... I'm taking it. I'll go with Antonio Brown. He's not happy in <laughs> Pittsburgh. Um, 
I, I would take that guy in a second. He instantaneously becomes the best wide receiver on the field. He can stretch the field. That's the guy uh, I would take. Guy's got a great set of hands. I know he's, it seems like he's become a little bit of a prima donna lately, but uh, yeah, I would take Antonio Brown every day of the weekend, twice on Sunday. <laughs> Everybody, you got to go back and find that show where we talked about uh, Antonio Brown, Kareem Hunt, and I grilled Grifka for 10 minutes because he kept asking him why he would want Antonio Brown. And his answer consistently was, He's talented. He's the best wide receiver. He'll be the best, the best receiver, on the receiver on the team. Hands down. Oh, totally ignoring salary cap, said, draft like I said, picks, are we talking as stuff. a fan? Hey, he, he, he's a good receiver. He's a GM. There's two different things. <laughs> you didn't have an answer either way. You just said he's a good player. And I said, I uh, like, yeah. He's a no, good no, player. Oh, he's just a good player. I mean, Omari Cooper's a good player. Oh, he's a good player. No, he's, he would instantaneously be the best wide receiver on the team. And you asked me, oh, he's, would, you, would you trade for him? We just take him? Like, yeah. He'd be the best wide. He'd be the best wide receiver on the team. Like, oh, he's too expensive. And I'm like, well, is he? Cut? Are you talking as a fan? Or are you talking as a GM? It's always both, Chris. But we don't like. We're GM. not playing. We're not playing Madden. That's why. We're that's why GMs Madden are not like fans. Oh boy! All right, we got to close this showdown. So Griffka's taking Antonio Brown because he's a good player and he'd be the best receiver on the team. If I got to take one, it's Khalil Mack or the Cheetah Tyreek Hill, baby, uh, scoring big touchdowns for our Lions and a good compliment to Kenny and Marvin. There, uh, be crazy to have those three out there running routes. So Griffka, we broke down this Packer game. We we rewinded the clock for the the Kool Aid drinkers and look back at that game. We answered some questions. It's about that time to get out of here, man. Yeah, it was a it was a nice reliving another uh, win against the Packers. That, that was three in a row. I made it three in a row. Yeah, man, gotta love that. Everybody, thank you so much for supporting the Detroit Kool Aid Cast. Keep your eyes out. There might be some uh, Twitter exchanges. We may be doing a live mock draft this weekend. Um, maybe uh, Chuck, who debuted on the show, he's been wanting to talk some NFL. It might be me and him. Might be me and Griffka. You never know. Might be all three of us. But we may do a live mock draft that we work our way through here as a bonus show. Stay tuned for more on that. We'll be back at you later this week with another Kool-Aid Rewind where we'll be looking at a heck of a game for our Lions against the Miami Dolphins down in Me on Me. I can't wait to talk about that one, Griffka. That's going to be super fun. So everybody out there, Give us a rating on iTunes. That really helps us out a ton. Share this with a friend. Give us some uh, listens. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Do all that great stuff. That's really helping us out a lot as we continue to grow this thing. Drinking in. Drinking that Detroit Kool-Aid. And thank you so much, everybody. Grifka, you got anything else for uh, the people? Nope. Perfect. Everybody, thank you so much. We'll be back to you later this week. Check you later. Peace. Drink it in, man.